1: Well, as I mentioned to you, we have just started a four-week series. We're now in week two, and the the title of the series is God With Us, but this time of year there's a thing called Advent. Advent is um, historically, throughout the church history, has been the four uh, Sundays leading up to Christmas, and so we are in uh, Sunday number two, and so the, the term Advent means this, it means coming or arrival. And what's amazing about this is not just that it means coming arrival, but it means coming with certainty. It mean, it's like it's already happened. And so as the um, uh, Old Testament prophets, they were looking forward to the king, the Messiah coming. It was as if it, it's already happened. And today, not only do we look back at the coming of Jesus and we think about Bethlehem and the manger, but we look forward to Jesus Christ coming back in bodily form ruling and reigning on this earth for a thousand years and so when we say advent today for us it's a, it has a twofold meaning and uh it, it's as if it has already happened well last week i introduced you to the first word and that was hope um and i you know when we talk about hope we talk about the term just maybe i mean just just a, a slimmer is all you need when it comes to hope because what happens in that hope just helps you get to the next step, maybe the next day, maybe the next event that needs to happen, where, where God ignites something in your heart. Well, today we talk about the second word, and that second word is love. You know, humans by nature are drawn to this word. We're drawn to what it means. And what's interesting, this is a short word, four letters, L-O-V-E. And unfortunately, sometimes we can become too casual with the term love. For example, uh, I may say that I love ice cream. But, you know, it's not the same level that I love Carrie. Uh, (laughs) Or I may say that I love coconut cream pie. Oh, now it's get a little closer, but it's still not at that level that I I love Carrie. Praise the Lord. Um, or I may say that I love music, or you may say that you know there's something you fill in the blank. I love fill in the blank, and 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 you'll realize that yes, you do love it, but there are probably other things that that you love infinitely more. But yet we still use the same exact word, whether it's the little. Coconut cream pie, or it's the ice cream, or it's something that is near and dear to our heart. It doesn't change, but we use that same word. And so today, when I introduce you to the concept of God with us, I'm telling you today that God with us is a love story. And I'm going to share a love story with you today. And so when I think about love stories and, and I think about somebody my age, you may think about this same love story that I do, and that is when Harry met Sally. <laughs> Back in 1989, this movie came on the scene. It took uh, over the, the movie screens. There was something about... This guy named Harry and this lady named Sally, and they ultimately were friends and were kind of at odds with each other, but they ultimately fell in love. Maybe you don't think about when Harry met Sally like I do when we think about a love story. Maybe you think of the classic of Romeo and Juliet. But the problem is when we think about Romeo and Juliet, it's really not a love story. It's a tragedy, isn't it? It, ends, it does not end well. Matter of fact, it, some people may use Romeo and Juliet to say, that's why I don't fall in love. <laughs> but today, week two of Advent, the love story that I want to share with you is about Mary and Joseph. Now, if you are a Bible scholar, you may say, love story? Mary and Joseph? I thought that was an arranged marriage. How in the world could that be a love story? Where is the romance in that? And if you're not familiar with the uh, Hebrew tradition of how they handled marriages, this is, they had three phases. The first phase was the contract. The Hebrew word for this is ketubah. And so this would be like the engagement that we are exposed to today. Uh, the second part of the, the marriage would be the consummation. And the word is chupa, And Believe it or not, the, the now husband would go to the um, now wife's house, parent's house, and that's where they would consummate the marriage. I, I know, I've seen movies where like everyone's outside the tent and they wait for them to come out the tent and like everybody knows what's happened and you know, but they look like nothing happened um, Well, then that comes to the third phase. And the third phase is celebration. This is the wedding feast. This is what you've probably heard about. It lasted a week long. They celebrated. They went back to the groom's house that he had been preparing for his wife and his family. And they celebrated. And just when you thought they were done, they, they added three or four more days to it. It was awesome. But here's what happened. Joseph was originally from the town of Bethlehem. And um, when he uh, became a man and he started his own business in the carpentry, um, he decided to leave uh, Bethlehem. This is Ronology here, so just in case you're looking in your Bibles or, or, or the notes, um, you know, wait, wait until I uh, publish mine and it'll be there. Um, and he left uh, Bethlehem for the big town of Nazareth. And he goes to Nazareth and he sets up shop as a carpenter. And I could just imagine that... Um, now this business owner was a very eligible bachelor in Nazareth. And so what would happen is, um, maybe uh, Mary and a couple of the girls would walk by, and they would notice Joseph in there just working hard. And maybe uh, while he was working hard, he might flex just a little bit, you know. Maybe they said, they asked him a question, hey, have you seen so-and-so come by? And he's like, I think they went that way. You know, um, I, I don't know how this happened. But one day, Joseph got the attention of Mary's dad. And so Mary's dad approached Joseph and they entered into the contract. They um, brought a dowry to uh, Joseph. And, and so this was uh, part of it. And you, and you may ask yourself, how in the world could two people survive when their marriage was arranged like that? Now, I just want to say, don't, don't be too harsh on Mary and Joseph Because some of you have had arranged marriages. Anyone ever gone on a blind date and ended up marrying them? My mom and dad got married, and they met each other on a blind date. And and so while it's not official and you didn't go through those three phases, sometimes today our friends set us up. And sometimes it feels like they set us up. And then sometimes it feels just right. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Mary and Joseph grew to love each other during what we call that engagement period. That time between when Joseph had the contract with um, Mary's dad and the time that they would consummate that marriage. And that time hadn't come. And, and I would imagine in that town that Mary would, could, could be found often at uh, Joseph's woodworking shop and there was probably a bench out, and she was sitting on the bench, and her legs are just dangling, and she's looking in there, and she just sees the sweat, she sees the muscles, she sees everything about Joseph, and she's falling in love. And as she falls in love, um, you know, Joseph may one day come away from his, his bench, and he hands her this little wood trinket that he made just for her. And she takes it home and holds it close to her heart puts it up on the shelf and then a week later she gets another one maybe um, as the months went by each time that she would visit Joseph something else and their hearts grew closer and closer together ultimately they fell in love see even though it was arranged married this truly was a love story I want you to just picture this. There is Mary sitting on the bench dangling her legs and there's Joseph working. And just imagine if this is Hollywood and and the camera starts to pan out. And as it pans out, you see the city of Nazareth. Then as it pans out a little bit more, you can see Bethlehem and all of Israel. And as it pans out a little bit more, you see the Middle East. And if it goes back further, you see earth. And if you continue to go back until you can't see anything at all, all you are left is with God. And the Bible tells us this that God is love. when you're in the presence of God, you will understand and experience exactly what that means. You know, we as humans were so feeble because we have such a bad definition of love that we can't appreciate when the Bible says God is love. We miss the mark and, and and just let me say something to you and, and let me just speak some words of life into you. And that's this, that there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you anymore. That's right. mm-hmm. As much as I want you to come to church, coming to church doesn't make God love you anymore. As much as I want you to read the Bible, reading the Bible doesn't make God love you anymore. Why? Because God is love. And God loves perfectly every time. But let me also tell you this, that there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you any less. See, now that's the hard one. That's the one that you lay your head down at night sometimes and you think, God, how? Why? As you sing that song, Tony, and, and we're here, and Joseph asked the question, why? You got to wonder if Joseph wasn't questioning, why me? Why us? How in the world could you use a simple couple like us to bring the Savior, the Messiah? If you turn in your Bibles or if you just look up at the screen, you'll see in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16, it says this So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. You know, it's maybe the hardest thing for us to comprehend is that God loves us, that God can't do anything but love us. And, and if, you, if you would turn the TV on or if you would listen to the radio, you will find that there are naysayers out there that say, when, when they say the word, God loves us, it's with a question mark. Because then what they'll say, how could God love anybody and send them to hell? How could God love anybody and allow children to be treated the way they are? How could God love anybody and allow something like slavery to be a part of our history? But no matter what questions they ask, no matter how they they change it, you can rest assured that It says in 1 John 4.16 that God is love. And it doesn't matter what the pundit says. It doesn't matter what the critic says. It doesn't matter what the atheist says. Matter of fact, I'll just tell you this. It doesn't matter what you say. God is love. And because God is love, he can do nothing but love. Not only do we know that God is love, but my friends, I'm here to tell you that God gives love. And as um, I tell you this love story about Mary and Joseph, there comes a time in all our lives where we need to experience the love of God. And there came a point in Mary's life where she needed to experience God's love in Luke chapter 1 and verse 42 I'll read the verse to you it says this blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb now where this verse is coming from is that Mary goes to see her aunt Elizabeth and it just so happens that Elizabeth and Zechariah, if you remember from last week had been visited And they were of old age. It was impossible for them to have children. And yet here was Elizabeth. Six months pregnant. And when Mary walked into her presence. These were the words she said. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. Do you think that there was a couple of times. In the months now that Mary was carrying baby Jesus. That she doubted. That she wondered, is this even possible? I know an angel came and said that. I know my body's changed. I know what I did not do. How is this even possible? And so God reached out to her through Elizabeth and he said, I love you. And he confirmed with her the very thing that she she knew in her heart when Elizabeth told her that you are carrying the very child of God. Do you think that that was a bit of encouragement for Mary to hear that from somebody else? Because I think what happened was um, mom and dad were a little bit embarrassed about what was going on. And so they sent her and and, uh, historically and theologians will tell you that Mary actually stayed with Elizabeth for many months. Sometimes that happens uh, in modern day. But you know, it wasn't just Mary that needed a little bit of love. There was another person in that relationship. His name was Joseph. And Joseph needed some love too. If you'll turn over to Matthew chapter 1 and verse... I'm going to read two verses to you. The first one says this. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. If you go forward and look at verse 18 and 19, you'll see that Joseph was considering divorcing Mary. Matter of fact, it says this, Joseph was a just man, and he did not want to hurt Mary, and so he was going to do it privately, because he had the choice. He could take her out in front of everybody and say, look, I've never been with this woman, and here she is pregnant, and divorce her and make a public skeptical out of her. But the Bible says that he was a just man, and he wasn't going to do that. But he was hurting. Probably the one thing when it comes to love that everybody fears is betrayal. Because when you love, you love openly. You love without reserve. You love without having any kind of conditions upon this. And yet here was Joseph. Even though Mary told him, I've been approached by an angel. I have not known anyone. This was the work of the Holy Spirit. At some point in his heart, he felt betrayed. He felt betrayed so much that he said, you know what, I'm going to divorce her. And God said, Joseph, I love you. I need you. Because the next verse in verse 21 says, she will bury son." And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. See, that's how Jesus, that's how God says, I love you. Mary needed to hear that. And she heard it through the words of Elizabeth. Joseph needed to hear that. And he got to experience a dream and an angel in his life. But Mary and Joseph are no different than you or I. I'm here to tell you that there comes a point in all of our lives where we need to hear from God that he loves us. If you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I'm just going to read verse 38 to you. It says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. Listen to me. The Apostle Paul says, I'm convinced that death cannot separate Ray from God's love. Death cannot separate you from God's love. The Apostle Paul tells us that life will not separate us from the love of God. And then he goes through this list, angels and demons. But watch this, he says, things present. I'm here to tell you, listen to the words of truth that I'm about to speak to you. There are things that you're doing right now. See, we think about love and we think that the ultimate hardship of love is to be betrayed. And I'm here to tell you that at no point in your life has God ever or will God ever betray you. But the truth of the matter is, I don't believe that any of us sitting in here have not at one point in our lives betrayed our Savior. The one who gave everything, left heaven on our behalf. The one who says there is nothing that you can do. There is nothing that you're doing right now. That will separate you from my love. And and he goes on and he says there's nothing to come. There's nothing that you can do tomorrow. There's nothing you can do next week. There's nothing you can do seven years from now. That will separate you from my love. You know there's nothing harder than watching our children come to know the Lord. And then as they become an adult walk away from the Lord. Nothing harder than that. But I'm here to tell you that when, if God got a hold of their heart when they were 12 years old, he didn't let it go when they were 22. And if you'll just go back and if you'll look at your life in those times where you were walking away from God and you felt that, that love, it didn't feel like love though back then. It probably felt like a, going out to the woodshed. Matter of fact, I remember this when my dad used to spank me. He used to say the craziest thing. He says, I'm doing this because. I said, well, dad, I got a solution. (laughs) Matter of fact, I made a mistake one time. Can you all believe that? I I know you're not going to believe this, but trust me, it's true. When I was in the seventh grade, I got a paddling at school. Now, kids, you don't understand this, but the principal was empowered with the rod of truth and the rod of truth was about six inches wide and 18 inches long and so what was interesting was I was sitting there in the principal's office with one of my best friends and we had committed a felony in that Christian school I won't share with you what it is because I don't want to give you ideals but as he is about to, to, to love on us I told him I said look principal I said I, I know that uh, you, you, you want to give me this paddling but I, I assure you if you will just send a note home to my father that says Ronnie did this he will take care of that paddling because if you paddle me I'm going to go home and I'm going to get it again and I don't think that's in the Bible and the principal he opened up his Bible and he flipped through it and he goes I don't see it Now bend over the desk and I got paddled. And that, pa- that principal loved me so much, he wrote a note to my dad and said, I paddled Ronnie this morning, and I just want you to know that you don't need to paddle him. That was my mistake. <laughs> because when I got home, walking a little differently, my dad got home and as proud as a peacock. I walked up to my father and I gave him the letter. I gave him the get out of jail free card. I gave him the land on park place and get all of the money in Monopoly. And I did that and I didn't have a coat on. But if I did, I would have looked like this as my father read it. And to be honest, I don't remember anything from that point on. Because my dad decided that my principal didn't do a very good job. And what was hard, and my, my sister taught me this, and, and, and folks, my dad's in heaven, so you, you can't uh, press charges against him on my behalf, but my dad had a philosophy, and that was he would spank you until you started crying, and then he would spank you until you stopped crying. Now, one time I heard that philosophy, and all I heard was the first part, that he would spank you until you started crying. And so I remember there was a season in my life when I was getting spanked a little bit, and no sooner would I um, bend up because my dad had this thing. He went, the, the principal had us bend over a desk. My dad would have us touch our ankles. And and folks, you could just imagine what that looked like. I touch my knee and he go ah. I touch my shin ah. And and no sooner did I touch my ankle than that belt would touch me. I, it hurt. And and my and, and and I was a stubborn young man, and so I would not cry. I I would do i bite my tongue. i bite anything i get my mouth on. And my sister said, Ron, you fool. She goes, Dad's going to spank you until you start crying. I said, why didn't you tell me that? So the next time, I hadn't even touched my ankles. And I was, oh, I was crying. I was bawling. I mean, it was real. It was tears. Just, it was soaking up the floor. And then my dad didn't stop spanking. And so I cried louder. When that was over with, my sister came and counseled me again. And she says, well, he's going to spank you until you stop crying too. I'm like, this ain't fair. (laughs) And my dad didn't care. and, And so there I was. I made a mistake. I went home. I got the paddling the second time. And my dad always told me, I'm doing this because I love you, son. And there are times... When you feel just like I did as that young man, there is no way my dad loves me right now. It won't make sense today. It won't make sense through this season of rebellion that you're going through. But there's going to come a time in your life when I look back and I realize my dad did that because he loved me. He did that because he didn't want me to spend the night in jail. He did that because he did not want me to do something much worse that could ruin my life. And your heavenly father, when you rebel, when you run from him, he gets a hold of you. And he spanks you. And when he spanks you, he always tells you, Romans 8, 38 and 39. He says, now this spanking ain't going to separate my love from you. This season that you're going through will not separate you from me. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can't do. I love you, and I'll always love you. Well, not only is God love, not only does God give us love right when we need it, maybe it's just not the way we want it, but God loves people through us. He loved Mary through Elizabeth. He loved Joseph through an angel. And I'm here to tell you that God is wanting to use you to love people on his behalf. As matter of fact, he said it this way in John chapter 13 and verse 34. He said, a new commandment I give to you. Now what's interesting is, If you look at this, this is the same commandment that was in the Old Testament. But he says, a new commandment, and you know that Jesus doesn't lie. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How? See, that was the new commandment part. See, we were told to love God, and we were told to love people. But here, he's now qualifying, what does that love look like? It looks like the way that I'm loving on you. You are also to love one another. The problem is that all of us have that same scare, that same fear, that if we love the way Jesus loves, people are gonna betray us. People are gonna walk out on us. People are gonna say lies about us. And you know what? You're probably right. But Jesus didn't say love them until they walk out on you. He didn't say love them until they betray you. He said love them like I loved you. Do you know what his disciples were doing while he was hanging on the cross for six hours? They weren't there. There was one, John. The rest had run, had hidden. Why? Because they did not want to be up there on the cross with him. And so you may ask yourself, well how do I know if I'm loving The way that God tells us to love. Well he gives us the example in 1 Corinthians 13. The love chapter. I'll just read a few verses to you. And it says this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. But I have not love. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers. And understand all mysteries. All knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains. But I have not love. I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have. If I deliver my body up to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. I just ask you this question. If you're wondering about that person in your life, are you loving them the way that Jesus loved you? Are you patient with them? Are you kind to them? Are you not arrogant and pointing out the things that you have done that have been so good and the things that they aren't doing that are horrible? Are you able to celebrate when they have victories in their life and not be resentful? See, that's the way Jesus loved. That's the way we're challenged to love. And church, I've been asking you to join me in seeing 2020. And as we look at uh, the calendar as it changes at the end of this month and, and we enter the year 2020, that we, we do not err from our mandate as a church to love God, to love people. And the Bible says that you cannot love God unless you love people. And we make disciples. Matter of fact, if if you looked in John 13, 35, it says it this way. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. How? If you love one another. Church, that's what everyone that drives by is looking at Temple Baptist Church about. Do we love each other? See, if we can't love each other that's inside this room, how in the world do we love the person outside? Now, I know what you're thinking. You know what? Some of those people outside is a lot easier to love. Than the ones inside. A matter of fact I've heard it this way. Uh, said at family reunions. I love you. I don't like you but I love you. Now I don't know exactly how that works. I don't, I'm not sure uh, doctrinally speaking. Is that accurate. But the reality is this. That God has demonstrated. Through the life of Jesus Christ. How we are to live in 2020. And so here is my challenge to you is that we as a church want to make a difference now. We don't want to wait until next week. We, I don't even want to wait until next year. That's why I unveiled that last week. We want to start doing what God has called us to do as a church. And I know, I know that there are many of you here that are needing some love from God on your life. And I'm here to tell you that he is reaching out to you in ways that you probably don't even realize it. And just as you need God to reach out and put his arm around you and and squeeze you and say, I love you. There is somebody in your life that is hurting, that is broken, that has reached a point where they are destitute. And they are so far from God, they wouldn't know it if God himself reached down and hugged them. And so God is whispering in your ear, I need you to go over there and love on them. And he needs you to do it on his behalf. That's why Jesus Christ left the throne. That's why he was born of a virgin. That's why he lived a perfect life. And that's why he died on the cross. Because God had put a requirement on mankind that mankind was unable, unable to ever reach. You've heard me say this, there's only two ways to get to heaven. One is, you live a perfect life. Live a perfect life, you're going to heaven. If you got a pulse, you've already, you've missed out on that. So if you can't live a perfect life, there's somebody who did it for you. His name is Jesus Christ. That is why we celebrate Advent. That is why we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And yet, our world is filled with scores of people who reject the love of God. They want to take Christ out of Christmas. They want to take God out of our schools. They want to take the family and change it from the way that God ordained it to be. They want to do every And and folks, make no mistake about it. This isn't their ideals. These are the ideals of the enemy. Where is the hope? The hope is in the church. The hope is that there are just some people who will, will take this word and believe it. And live it. See folks, if, if we won't be the hands and feet in love on behalf of God, who will? Well, I can tell you that there's people out there that will do it. But they'll do it in a perverted way. They can't help but do it in a perverted way because they've never experienced it. God's love and so it's our responsibility church to love the way God has Gary and Tony if you'll come up and begin ready for the invitation let me just share one more passage with you Ephesians 3 17 and 19 says this and I pray that you listen to this being rooted and established in love love What does that look like? That's that's when love is deep down inside. May have power together. That's us. With all the Lord's holy people. And the next verse says this. To grasp how wide and long and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge. Here's the reality. The love that you have a definition of that most likely before I started preaching today, that love, that that knowledge that you have of love is is perverted by what you've experienced in life. You've loved and been betrayed. You've loved and been disappointed. You've loved and you didn't get the love back. And so you wonder about this four-letter word called love. But God says... I don't want you to look at the way that they've loved you. I don't want you to look at the way Pastor Ronnie loves you. I don't want you to look at the way your best friend, your closest relative loves you. I want you to look at the way I loved you. That's, see, because when you do that, you understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Jesus Christ. Folks, we sell ourselves short so often because we miss We miss how big God's love is. We take God's love and we put it in a package like that. And I'm here to tell you that the love of God fills this building. The love of God rolls out into the parking lot. It's in your car. It's all across this world. And the question is this, will we receive God's love? Whether you receive it or not, God still loves you.
0: As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to wwwtvccentraliacom forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.